Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is, finally, every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, exactly 20 years and four days (laughs) after its original air date. So today we're talking about the Buffy episode forever. Um, I was on vacation last week, and I got the covid vaccine and i went on a trip and i was doing all this stuff because i just got a new camcorder and i was playing around with my new camcorder and just i was i had a great great week off but it coincided with me needing to do this episode and it just did not happen because i needed to record it early because i was going to be out of town all weekend anyway as my mom says y'all don't care that it's a few days late so it's a few days late It is now Tuesday afternoon. I'm finally doing it. So the actual anniversary date of forever was Saturday. If you're listening in real time in April, 2021. So, um, and I just kind of, I'm not, I'm not experiencing an abundance of time and energy at the moment either, but I have the afternoon off. So I need to go ahead and get into it. I had to leave work early to go to the dentist and that's done. And guess what guys? I don't know. Some of you guys know about my struggles with my teeth. This is the first just regular cleaning checkup that I've had in the last handful of years wherein everything was good. In fact, like my numbers, you know, how they like poke on your gums and they have certain numbers. Some of my numbers were better so everything was as good as or better than the last time I got a checkup. And it's the first time, like, I went in there just, like, so terrified. Because every time I go in there just for a regular fucking checkup, there's some kind of ast- astronomically expensive catastrophic thing that I have to deal with. And today I did not. So celebrating by watching Buffy with you guys right now. So I'm going to do kind of an impromptu thing Instead of me watching it beforehand and taking notes and all that stuff, I'm just going to watch it um, right now. Not not technically with you guys because I think I would get like copyright strikes for that, but I'm just going to like press play and then I'm going to pause and talk to you guys every time I have a thought. (laughs) I haven't, I have done that a few times, but it's been like maybe a couple of years since I've done that. So I have a special treat today, too, because I have on, um, I have this particular episode recorded on VHS tape. So this is a tape that I just happened upon it. I've been going through my VHS tapes lately, and this is one that I had no idea that I had. Um, I have this particular episode on a VHS tape that I made for a friend back in 2004, And it just had old episodes of Buffy on the end of it that I didn't record over. And she, a few years ago, sent all these tapes back to me, probably because they were more important to me than they ever were to her. But 
So I am going to enjoy the nostalgic experience of watching a VHS tape of this episode of Buffy. So I'm, I have the, the tape ready to be pushed into the VCR, which I have plugged in at all times, by the way. This is a good time to remind you guys that if, I mean, it's been a long time since I've mentioned this, but one of my dreams is to have every episode of Buffy taped on VHS tape, you know, just like ones that people have recorded off the TV back in the day. So they have the original commercials in them and all of that stuff. Um, it turns out I have the opportunity to have that for myself right now. But if you, if you listening right now have old Buffy episodes taped onto VHS tapes, um, both scenarios, if you have them and you don't want to part with them forever, I will mail them back to you after, you know, once we get to that point. So if you, particularly if you have, I want all of them, but particularly if you have anything from season six and seven, because I would love to do it, watch those episodes in that context for this project slash podcast. But even if you don't have them from those seasons, I would love to just have them. But if you want them back, I will mail them back to you. Um, just let me know and I'll, I'll tell you where to send it. Um, I would love to experience Buffy in that way. <laughs> and I got lucky. This one's actually a rerun because I would have taped it after it actually, within a couple years of when it came out, I would have taped it onto this um, VHS tape. But anyway, you guys don't care. I'm going to let you listen to me putting the tape into the machine, which means I'm going to turn my heater down real quick. We're lo-fi today. We're always lo-fi, but it's like a little lower-fi today. Okay, you ready? You ready to hear me put it in the player? Oh, yeah. You hear those sweet sounds of the VCR I love it. Okay. Um, I'm now going to pause because I just realized I'm going to need a chair that's right next to the TV because I don't have a remote for my VCR. Um, and I'll get my drink set up and I will be right back. Okay. Kind of funny. I, I don't think I like totally grasped the concept of this when I watched it like last week. Cause I did watch it one other time. Um, cause I always watch it at least twice. Um, once without notes and one with, so you guys are my notes today, but I didn't notice the first time watching this, that like the very opening of this episode shows Buffy like looking at coffins and the score that's being used is very like ominous. Like you're expecting a vampire to pop out of one of those coffins at any moment. And that's kind of smart that they did it that way. And then you see Giles walking into the room with Dawn and like the funeral director or whatever, because she has to pick out a coffin for her mom. That's the context of this first scene. But I didn't notice before that they were setting it up like this is a different moment for Buffy. Like she's been here in this very room many times in her capacity as Vampire Slayer. But now we're talking about Buffy daughter, not Buffy Vampire Slayer, you know? And just sort of the the depth and the heaviness of that moment didn't really sink, in, sink into me until right now. Isn't that interesting? 
Like, if you've ever done anything like this, where you like write about a TV show or a movie, like do a review for it, or write about it on a blog, or or if you have a podcast yourself, that kind of thing, it's just such a different. Like you come up with things that it's not like I'm some sort of special, super insightful person. Like you come up with smarter things to say when you're thinking about things critically as you're encountering them, you know? Anyway. Oh my God. (laughs) It speaks for your deep feeling for this deceased. I hated it when that guy said that. And I love how how beautiful and supportive and wonderful Giles is being like him, like rolling his eyes at this funeral director right here because he just, you know, Buffy just picked a coffin and he says, it speaks of your deep feeling of the deceased. Like, who are you? Don't you, I mean, I guess this probably isn't a thing, but shouldn't it be a thing that people that work in the sort of I don't know if you call it the death industry, but work at funeral homes and and these types of capacities, shouldn't they be, they should have some psychological training, right? They should be able to, I mean, I'm sure they learn kind of some of that stuff on the job, how to be sensitive to people that are freshly grieving, but like, who would say something like that? Okay, come on. Okay, Buffy is being, like, I totally get that, like, this whole episode is about the disconnect between Buffy and Dawn because Dawn's way of grieving is different than Buffy's right now and partially partially because of the differences in their personality types but also just because Dawn's little sister Buffy's big sister Buffy has to like make all the big scary decisions so she just doesn't really I get that they're trying to show that Buffy doesn't really have she's not in a place to have these sorts of like existential philosophical conversations with Dawn. But I just feel like we've been shown lately that Buffy really, really cares about Dawn. I mean, it's all leading up to guess what? This isn't a spoiler free podcast. If this is the first time you're listening. Okay. All of this is leading up to the fact that Buffy's about to sacrifice her life. She's about to give her life for Dawn to live. So we're supposed to think that her love for Dawn is huge. And if her love for Dawn was that huge, wouldn't she be a little bit more compassionate to what Dawn's going through right now? You know, like right now, she's asking a perfectly legitimate question in my mind. She's asking Buffy, so they've made the decision on the coffin and she's saying, well, but what if, what if mom wouldn't like it? I mean, do we know for sure? Like, she's the one that has to be in it forever. And that it just feels completely normal of a question to ask. You know? Does it not? And Buffy's like, maybe you shouldn't have come. It's like, wow, okay? I mean, I know this is in Buffy's MO to be, like, super, to shut Dawn down every single second. But I just feel like it's a little, it's just a little yucky. That's all. Okay, now we're at the scene with, like, everybody. It's... Buffy, Xander, Dawn, Willow, and Giles all eating dinner together. And Buffy is trying to figure out the logistics of like what the announcement's going to say in the paper and, you know, like all that sort of like adult shit that like, I feel like I would be so terrible at that. I hope I have a Giles whenever I (laughs) 
have to go through something like that. I don't even want to say more words than that. Um, but I'm just noticing how the, I feel like the, um, the way that they've decided each individual character is dealing with this situation feels really consistent to me. I think that's, that's good. Like we have Giles who is fielding phone calls. He's jumping in every chance he can to deflect some of these big decisions off of Buffy to kind of, you know, he's being a dad essentially. And that is consistent. That is consistent with his character in general and is consistent throughout this, this process. We have um, Xander who's kind of He's, he's doing a really good job. Xander is different now than he has. I feel like Xander as a character is not going to piss me off that many more times. Um, I mean, I know it's going to happen, but besides when he leaves Anya at the altar, what else do we have to be pissed at Xander about? He has evolved as a character and he is also very helpful to Buffy. Um, and Don, of course, is asking a lot of questions. And I, I think it should be noted that Don didn't have as long to, I mean, not only is she just younger, and this is something that is going to be harder for her to accept no matter what, but she also didn't have as time to prepare. Like Buffy fell apart earlier. She had to face having these uncomfortable conversations with Joyce in case something didn't go right with her operation and stuff like that. And they kept Dawn out of that. And that made sense in the moment. But now Dawn's like, what are you talking about? How do you know all this stuff? How do you know that mom would have wanted all this stuff? And Buffy's like, well, we talked about it. And I can understand why in this moment at that age, Don would feel betrayed by the fact that like they were having these conversations without her, like this kind of stuff. Anyway, and also Willow, if you pay attention, like it's kind of understated, like maybe this was just a decision that Allison Hannigan was just making to make sure that her character was more consistent. Cause in the scene, she hasn't even really, I don't even think she's had a line yet, or if she has, it's just been very minimal. You can tell she is overwhelmed with empathy. Like she almost can't function. She's, she doesn't, she wants to be there for Buffy, but like her level of being worried and upset for Buffy is so much that like, she's probably not a good person to be around right now. You know, she's not one of those like supportive, she's a supportive friend. But what I mean by that is like in those moments where you're falling apart, she's not going to be able to put you back together or deflect big decisions and help you through the process. Like Giles and Xander might be able to do in this scenario. She is just going to fall apart with you you know and that's totally consistent with willow's character anyway <laughs> this rate i'm going to be pausing it every 30 seconds okay <laughs> i'm eating my words already because as soon as um xander and willow walk out of the house they're like you know going home or whatever um spike shows up with flowers to leave for joyce um and Xander is a real dick. Like, I, I mean, you guys know, I, last time we encountered Spike, I was very much on the side of 
you know, Giles being stand-up dad and setting clear boundaries with Spike because his obsession with Buffy needs to be nipped in the bud. Like, I absolutely agree with that. Um, and I think that so far they've done a good job at that. However, this is a little too much. You know, Xander is just very, like, puffing up his chest, you know, being all blech right now when... Yeah. Anyway, this is, we are, they're starting to really, and the next episode intervention, which, excuse me, I'm drinking diet or pepper and I'm very burpy. Um, the next episode intervention is going to be the turning point for Spike. Like here we're seeing little seeds of we're supposed to start feeling sympathetic for Spike. And then in the next episode, we're <laughs> we're supposed to be disgusted by him and also compassionate towards him. So it's, this is just a, a little seed of that. I think this is the only time we see Spike in the whole episode. He's just here to remind us that he's there, that he, of course, still loves Buffy, but he, no, wait, this is not the only time we see him in this episode. Never mind, we see him a whole bunch later. It's just been a little bit since I've watched it. Um, yeah. Anyway, this is just to show that he actually does have compassion and feelings for all the Summers women. Joyce was always kind to him and he is sad at her loss, you know? Um, and also I do find it a little strange. Maybe he's actually respecting the boundary because I do find it strange that Spike wouldn't show up for Buffy in any way. Like, in this, throughout this whole episode, he's not trying to talk to Buffy at all. So is he actually respecting the boundary that she set with him? I guess so. Or is it just because he's distracted by his Buffy bot? Does he have her at home right now? So that's distracting him enough that he's not... Because I feel like old Spike would have wanted to be there for Buffy right now after her mom has died. And it's just strange that he's not trying. Maybe he's actually respecting a boundary. Let's just go with that. Okay. I totally did not cry the first time watching this with my mom. There was even a point where she was like, are you okay? <laughs> and I was totally fine, but I'm crying now watching it. Um, oh, fuck. Watching the funeral, watching that shot where you get that slow pan across all the family pictures in the hallway and you see Buffy sitting alone on her bed and then more hallway, more family pictures and Dawn sitting alone on her bed and no lights on. I mean, it's afternoon, but there's no lights on. They're both just sitting there like waiting to get up and go to the funeral. And then the funeral is very sad. I mean, of course it's sad, but I feel like they gave it the moment that it needed to have. And right now I'm to the point where, um, you know, Buffy's there alone and you're seeing the shot where like it's getting dark behind her because she's just standing there staring at the gravesite and she's the only one there. And then in a second, we're going to see Angel come up and I know I'm going to lose it. And I, you guys know, I don't really care about Angel. <laughs> I do not really care about Buffy and Angel's relationship overall. Like I think it, I liked it as a story point, but I was never like super into Angel in general. 
as far as a love interest or even a character. Like, I like him as a character, but he's not one of my favorites. Um, but this moment, him showing up here in a second, which I'm, I feel like I'm going to lose it. So I'm going to let myself just cry and quiet for a minute. But whenever he just kind of shows up right next to her and she just must feel him and smell him. She knows exactly that it's him without turning around and she just reaches out and holds his hand and he stays with her all night. And it's, this is a really sweet, wonderful moment. I'm so glad that they were able to pull this off because it would have felt wrong if they couldn't get Angel back for this episode. If they, if something fell through with the network or some bullshit, if they weren't able to make this happen, it would have felt wrong because Angel would show up. In fact, Riley would show up if, if we weren't taught to think that like, you know, whatever thing he's doing right now is totally, you know, black ops, secretive, whatever, whatever. If it weren't for that being a decent excuse for him, probably not even knowing that Buffy's mom has died, he would show up too, you know, like her exes care about her, they would be here. So if there were, if Angel hadn't shown up, that would be wrong. But it is, it is actually really moving to see him show up at this point, especially like knowing everything that Angel's going through on his show. He's being such a dick bag lately. Like this is right at the point where he's kind of turned himself around. And this is probably part of that. Like he's got to pull himself together and be a supportive adult human right now. And he is, and it's really beautiful to watch them kind of like just sit together all night and him just give her, give her the space that she needs to be exactly where she is. And this is the first time we're seeing Buffy really face her mom's death. And she is not trying to act any cer certain way in front of Angel. She's just being completely herself in front of him. And it's nice to see that. Um, obviously, Dawn doesn't see this. And that's part of the problem, right? But Dawn doesn't see this real moment. But Buffy gets to see it. Or Buffy. Angel gets to see it. Okay, now we're getting the scene between um, Dawn, Tara, and Willow, because she's staying with them tonight. And I think that this is played really well and consistently, too, like setting things up for, like, you know, middle of next season. Um, Willow is very much uncomfortable. She just wants to fix things, and that's completely Willow. She just wants this whole thing to be over. She's not okay with people being upset. She's, you know, falling down an empathy rabbit hole. She's totally paralyzed by it. And you can see her... We haven't gotten to that point yet, but I'm just following this scene through, basically. Um, you know, we get that, you know, Dawn's really upset Tara's just, she's kind of more comfortable. She's, she's letting, she's able to just sit with the silence and you can tell that Willow is not able to sit through the silence. She wants to like recite some platitudes and then talk about something else. You know, she's like, we don't have to talk about this now. Um, and now Dawn is wanting to, she has just expressed that she wants to bring her mom back 
and she thinks that, you know, Willow and Tara can help her with that. And I haven't seen this part yet, but, um, you know, then we're going to get the, the kind of first little inklings of a disagreement between Tara and Willow because Tara has to put her foot down and say, we don't do that, which is took an oath a long time ago. We can't mess with that kind of stuff. It usually ends badly. The consequences are too huge, blah, blah, blah. We can't do that. And, you know, very firm. And she explains it in, you know, she explains it in a nice way, but she's very firm and she puts, you know, she sets a clear boundary about that. And you can tell that Willow's very much like, well, why not? Why can't we do it? I, I guess we can't do that. I guess we can't do that. And then without Tara's knowledge, and then she later lies to Tara about it. And she's such a terrible liar. I have no idea how Tara didn't know, but she makes the book that Dawn needs available to her. She just like magics it off the shelf so that Dawn will see it once they leave the room the following morning. And that's how Dawn gets started with like, you know, gathering together what she needs for the spell. And this is her first huge betrayal towards, towards Tara. I mean, I know she wasn't, what she was wanting was to fix everything and just, that's her character. Um, she wasn't wanting to hurt anyone, but this was her first big betrayal of Tara. This was, you know, her openly, openly, her not openly, secretively defying what Tara said. And yeah, she basically opens all the doors for Dawn to be able to do this thing that she wants to do because, Hey, what if it works? And then, and then everybody's happy again. Like I, I very much relate to Willow. Like she's pissing me off right now. <laughs> But this is very much the kind of person that I am in these situations. I drown in other people's sorrow and I'm not helpful to them at all whatsoever. I still haven't learned how to, you know, navigate that. Um, and I would definitely want to do something to fix it. But that's not how it works, you know? Sometimes you just got to give things space to, to breathe and adapt how they're going to. Also, might as well go ahead and talk about this scene because when I paused it, it's it's about to start the scene where like Anya and Xander have just finished having sex and Anya talks about how it felt much more intense than usual and Xander agrees and then she says, I think it's because of life, you know, like sex isn't just about two bodies smushing together, it's also about life and we could make life and that's kind of exciting and it and it feels more intense because of, you know, the the impermanence of life essentially and it's it's just a sweet little moment of Anya making that connection and Xander kind of freaking out for a second she's like well I don't want to make life with you right now I'm just saying we could and that's kind of cool and that's a new realization for Anya who is recently mortal you know <laughs> oh god I like totally forgot that that Ben and Glory are in this episode for like a second um so one of Glory's minions shows up to talk to Ben to like encourage him to continue dating Buffy if that was going to happen and Ben sort of lets it slip I'm not gonna let you do any I let you do anything find out anything about the key I wouldn't let anything happen to an innocent and then he realizes that he just revealed that the key is a person which is a big development it's going to play in big in the next episode 
um, especially and just kind of ramp up because we only have like, I don't know, five or six episodes left of the season. So things are going to really start to ramp up with the like main plot point of glory and the key and all that shit. So, um, as soon as he like realizes that, that he just slipped up really bad, um, he stabs the minion guy, but he doesn't make sure that like he actually got him all the way dead. So he goes back to glory, which how did that happen? Cause this, this makes it look like he just like went back to glory to tell her the information, but like they're sharing Ben and glory are sharing a body. So how exactly did that work? They didn't really think that through, but so now glory knows that the key is a person. So that's basically that entire plot point in this episode. Ooh, interesting. So I just watched the scene where Dawn goes to like get the supplies that she needs from the magic box. And, you know, she's sneaking around and she just shoves a couple things in her backpack. And that's her first like big klepto moment. Like you can see her kind of like so nervous and she does a great job. Michelle Trachtenberg does a great job acting this scene. I think, um, she, um, you can see how nervous she is. She grabs the things that she needs really quickly. She puts them in her backpack. She clips her clasps closed on the backpack. And then she goes down the the little like ladder staircase where all the like dangerous stuff is kept. She goes back down onto the main floor and kind of just nonchalantly drops her backpack to her feet because Giles walks around the corner and it's cut off in the VHS that I'm watching. It's, it goes straight from her. She, she took the supplies that she needed and started walking down the stairs and you don't get that moment of, I, I feel like the acting there was really good where you can see the nervousness turn to sort of exhilaration that she got away with it. And I think that's the first time we see her steal something and her being like, you know, her klepto behavior becomes a real issue in the next season. So I think this is the start of that behavior. So like, it was kind of sad that like, I guess I taped it off of FX back in the day. And I guess for whatever reason, they needed more time for commercials. They cut off the last, you know, like 15, 20 seconds of that scene and you didn't get to see it. So that's unfortunate. Um, but I just wanted to mention it because I do remember that being important and I wanted to tell you guys about that. Okay. Also, unfortunately, because I used to really be good about like anytime I was taping something, if it wasn't like one of those, I set the VCR cause I wasn't going to be home. And so it taped the whole thing with the commercials and everything kind of situation. And this was me taping this particular episode of Buffy off from TiVo. So, um, I cut out all the commercials. So I'm a little sad about that because I want to watch the old 2004 commercials, you know, but anyway, don't get to see those. I think the scene with Giles is really important too. Like you see him, like if you don't know the context, this scene might not really mean anything to you. It might even seem kind of like, why is this here? But I think that this was an important scene to be in there because it really shows the continuity of the show. So we see Giles kind of sitting at home alone, looking sad, drinking bourbon or something, I assume, um, listening to music. I'm not, I think this might be cream or something, but it's, it's the song that, um, was playing whenever he and Joyce had their band candy fling, you know, their, um, I think it was the specifically the song that was playing whenever they like 
had sex on the hood of a police car or something during that um that episode so you see him just sort of sad reflecting you, you could tell the gravity of joyce's death affects him too and that totally makes sense especially in the last like season or so we've seen him throughout this entire season actually um we've seen he and Joyce together a lot you know he's hanging out with them because he's being an extra babysitter to protect against glory you know he's around like because Buffy has sort of made him a bigger part of her life and her mom has become a bigger part of her life this season as well so they have been in a lot of social situations together they spend holidays together like we didn't get to see a lot of what their friendship might have been like Giles and Joyce but they absolutely had they had a relationship however small it was and then they had that one wild night when they were both under teenager brain but yeah this was I think this was an important scene okay and I've also gotten to the point where um Dawn is in the cemetery getting grave dirt for her spell and Spike comes up and notices um wouldn't this be where he would bring the flowers? You know, if he really wasn't trying to get any attention from Buffy, wouldn't he wait? Wouldn't he have waited until he could just bring flowers to Joyce's grave if that's all he wanted, really? But anyway, he shows up and he knows immediately what Don's doing there and he decides he's going to help her. And I assume that this decision was motivated by the fact that he kind of like we've seen him do several times before where he will choose to kind of go along with Dawn on some outing of some kind that Buffy would disapprove of so that he can make sure that he's around to possibly protect her if needed if need be so probably that's his motivation for this moment you know I doubt he really wants to get involved in a spell to bring Joyce back but he's just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go with her on this journey. He, his, his thing is not to talk people out of terrible decisions. It's to join them and be moral support. <laughs> so that's what he's doing. And I actually, I like this. I don't know. I like this development, this plot development of, you know, he and Dawn, they have kind of a friendship in some weird twisted way, but, um, I, I think that that makes sense in this world, in the Buffyverse. I think it makes sense. You guys, my tape ended. Can you hear? It's rewinding. <laughs> I didn't even have the entire episode on this tape. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. I was 30 minutes into it probably 42 minute episode so I'm just gonna wing it um, I think I know everything else that happens in this episode because I did watch it like a little less than two weeks ago so that's just what's happening today it is kind of um, I do apologize that this isn't the normal level of thoroughness that I do with my episodes that's not what you guys came here for it's for me to just casually talk about the episode but I think you'll forgive me because it just, you know, life happens sometimes. 
And I will be back on Saturday to talk about the the episode intervention, which I think will be quite a long conversation. And it'll be one of my loopy long conversations because I have I have a full work day on Saturday. So I will um, be I will probably be, you know, taking some nice shots of whiskey. You guys, I just found out that my favorite whiskey of all time, which is called Buffalo Trace, is like hopefully it's not like. They haven't stopped production completely, but they're having like supply issues with it because of probably COVID. And so I haven't actually, I mean, I hadn't thought too much about it, but I haven't been able to find it in a long time. So I've just been settling for, I mean, most of the time I can't even afford it anyway, because it's like $20 a bottle whiskey. And I usually go for more like the $12 kind, but so I didn't really notice it because I only buy a bottle of whiskey like once every two weeks or so. But, um, I noticed that like the last several times I've looked for it, I haven't found it anywhere I've gone. And it turns out it's just not being made right now, or it's not, or it's just really low in supply. Anyway, it's my favorite whiskey and I haven't been able to find it. So that's another thing that, um, if you guys want, if you, if you've seen that whiskey somewhere, um, I don't know if you can ship booze to people though. Well, you can, cause there's like wine of the month club and stuff. Anyway, if any of you guys have old VHS tapes of Buffy sitting around or Buffalo trace bourbon, um, please email me at mixtressray at protonmail.com. And, um, I will pay you for these things and just have them sent to my work or something like that. <laughs> anyway, um, what are we talking about? Okay, so I'm up to the point where Dawn and Spike have gone to see the the creepy guy with the tail. He actually reminds me of one of my mom's friends who like, he kind of reads as a, as a creepy dude, but he's not a creepy dude. He's actually a super, super nice guy. And I, he's one of my mom's favorite friends. She has a lot of friends, but this is one of my mom's favorite friends. And he, he kind of reminds me of him. Like, He's got a really great actor. He's just got this super, super great. He's got this super great. My words are great today, aren't they? Great, great, great. (coughs) He's got this um, awesome combination of like being extremely unsettling and creepy, but also you kind of want to trust him at the same time. And you know that he has compassion. He's like a compassionate, creepy person. But anyway, I'm up to that scene is where my um, VHS tape stopped and now I'm ejecting it. I just love the sounds of VCR tapes. (laughs) Anyway, um, so we're up to that point where she's gathering the ingredients. We're about to go to the like demon nest or whatever. And Spike puts himself in terrible peril. He almost dies getting this egg for Don, we've already had the conversation where he like tells Don not to tell Buffy about this. So we see another moment where he's doing something for someone that isn't Buffy. He's, he might even be doing this on purpose. We've seen that Spike is a very manipulative person. So it's possible that he's doing these little things and acting like he's not trying to directly talk to Buffy He's just doing these little things behind the scenes to like, just in case she finds out about it, that she might, I mean, she would not approve of him doing this with Dawn. That's true. 
but just the fact that he's doing it for her, not trying to to do anything to get credit, quote unquote. He's ingratiating himself to the people around Buffy, which might be a manipulative tactic on his part. I don't know. I don't think they ever reveal anything like that, but um, just something that I thought about. Um, They're going to finish gathering the ingredients. Then we're going to see Dawn at home doing the spell. And we're going to see that we're going to see an argument between Tara, Tara and Willow. I know this is where, you know, Willow straight up lies to Tara because Tara's like, where's our history of witchcraft grimoire? She notices when she gets home at the end of the day that that book is missing and she knows exactly what's in that book and why it could be dangerous. She, she just immediately puts it all together. I know exactly why this book is missing because Dawn wanted to resurrect Joyce and that book refers to other texts that could help her with the ingredients for that particular spell. She just... I mean, that might seem far-fetched, but I feel like Tara is smart enough to put all of that together. And of course, Willow knows exactly why that book is missing, and she's a terrible liar, but Tara somehow doesn't pick up on it because she wants to believe the best in Willow still. And Tara immediately picks up the phone. It might even be Willow, but I think it's Tara picks up the phone and calls Buffy to let her know that she thinks that Dawn is doing this. And so Buffy, like goes upstairs or something to talk to Dawn and confront her about it. And that's when we get that big sister fight with between Dawn and Buffy of like, you know, why, why would you do this? And Dawn's like, I need mom back because you don't, you've been avoiding me. You don't care. Like all this stuff is happening and you're just like going, you know, she just confronts her about like, you know, feeling like Buffy has been emotionally closed off and, and Buffy kind of like actually lets some vulnerability show in this moment. This is a really hopeful moment, even though this kind of doesn't follow through. You know, this is a moment where Buffy wants to change. Buffy wants to really connect to Dawn. She wants to be vulnerable and emotionally open. And this is a really hopeful moment, even though we don't totally see that happen between them, you know, because part of the disconnect between the two of them is what leads to Dawn creating this, you know, big stealing habit and, you know, self-destructive behavior kind of stuff that we see manifest in the next season. But in this scene, it's really beautiful and touching and it's a really, really well-acted scene between Sarah Michelle Gellar and Michelle Trachtenberg. They really, they really pull it together. Um, I just, for the first time ever made the connection that Sarah, Michelle, Geller, Michelle, Trachtenberg, that they share a Michelle. I didn't even make that connection until just this moment. That's how dumb I am. Anyway, so um, it's a really beautiful scene because Buffy finally says, you know, of course I'm falling apart. Of course I care. Because I think Dawn actually says, you don't even care that mom's gone. And she's like, of course I care. I just had to do all this adult shit. And, and who's going to be mom for us? If it's not me, then who's it going to be? And Dawn, it's so sweet. Dawn's like, no one expects you to be mom. And she just falls apart and they're hugging and, and all of this, you know, big blow up fight and all this crying and everything. And, you know, Buffy's just breaking down and Dawn, you can see her like, 
just seeing that someone else has some of the feelings that she has, just seeing that her sister is where she is because her sister's going to be the person that's going to most know where she is. You know, when she was yelling at Tara in the last scene, no, you don't know what it's like. You have no idea, which of course Tara does because her mom died too. But what she meant by that really, and she may not even know about Tara's mom and Tara doesn't bring it up in this moment, you know, because she's classy and she doesn't go, actually, I do know, bitch. You know, <laughs> she could have done that, but she doesn't. Um, so Don might not know about that whole thing. But but I think what Don really meant in that moment was that she want, she just wants to connect with Buffy. Buffy's the one that she wants to go through this with because they're going through the same thing. This was their mother. Um, and dad's not in the picture because, you know, they've made it a point to point out that like Buffy really wants to talk to her dad and why hasn't her dad called and she doesn't have a correct number for him. And so she hasn't even communicated with her dad at all about Joyce dying. And, and that's pretty heartbreaking when you think about it. Um, even though they're not together anymore, like surely he would give a shit, right? But anyway, you can see Dawn in this moment of like once Buffy starts becoming vulnerable and crying and talking about, you know, exactly how she feels because she hasn't really been doing that. She's been trying to, you know, protect Dawn from all of that. She's been trying to be strong. That was like a big theme that she was talking to Angel about was like, she needs to be strong. She needs to be strong. When it's right now, it's not about being strong, you know, um, that's not what... what Dawn needs. She needs to know that her sister's there with her emotionally. She wants to commiserate with her right now. And as soon as she sees Buffy breaking down, um, they get a knock on the door. And this whole time we've been, like, the scene is cutting back and forth between, like, somebody lumbering through the grass. We just see feet. We don't know that it's Joyce, but we just see feet. And then when the knock comes on the door, since... Dawn has had that moment of recognition and Buffy of like, okay, she does actually feel something. I am getting what I need from her. And she does know that this, apparently she knows that this situation is wrong. And she picks up the picture of her mom that is connected to the spell and she tears it in half. As soon as that knock goes on the door, Buffy turns around and she just goes, mommy. And, uh, I mean, that moment, if I were watching that again, I'd probably cry because it just completely echoes back to the moment where she found her dead, you know? It's awful. So anyway, she tears the photo in half and Buffy runs to the door and opens the door and her mom's not there. And then she turns around and like her and Dawn hug and fall to the floor. And I believe that's the last shot of the episode. I could be wrong. Um... Because sometimes I think what the last shot is, there's actually some other thing at the end. And, and I'm not, I'm being too lazy to actually just put the DVD in and check on that. So again, I apologize for my lack of thoroughness today. But I think I still talked about the episode. I mean, hey, I talked for 46 minutes. That's podcast length. Thank you guys so much for your understanding in advance, for me posting several days late and not doing a super thorough job. But hey, let's do our ratings of the episode, shall we? Um, I didn't even think about that as we were going. <sighs> 
I don't think there was a particular quote in the episode that is standing out to me. Just besides Anya's little speech about um, sex and smushing and turning into life. And like that was just a sweet little moment. Um, so I guess that's the quote, although I don't have the quote. Um, and then object of the episode that I want to pluck out of the episode to keep for myself for all time. Um, I don't know. <laughs> huh. It'd be kind of cool if like you had a dungeon in your house that could have one of those big demons that like could scare people off or something, but I don't really want that, but sure. Let's say it's that. Um, outfit of the episode. I mean, there really wasn't anything that I even really noticed. Everybody was just sort of wearing outfits of some kind. Um, so yeah, I don't even know why I'm doing ratings, but let's just do five by five ratings as far as overall enjoyability of the episode. I think this was a well done episode and I think that it was needed. Like I know that they're about to ramp up the season and they're really going to be like, it's not like Joyce's death isn't going to be present at all, but I think the sort of the gravity of, you know, the main character's mom dying needs to be more than just one episode. So I'm glad they spent two full episodes dealing with grief in that way. And I think that they did a pretty good job of a portrait of grief within those two episodes. And if you think about it, you know, that's like f movie length right there. Those two episodes together make up like an hour and a half. So I think that they gave that the weight that it deserved. And so I think that this episode is very important. I might even give it a four because it, it had the elements of like, Oh God, is Joyce going to come back? Is she going to be wrong? And just thinking about that for a second, like that's really creepy. If she actually, cause they do show someone lumbering across a field. I kind of wish they didn't have that in there. I mean, I get that they did that for like horror purposes, but I kind of wish they hadn't done that because it just cheapened it for me because actually thinking about the ramifications of that, like if she actually had been brought back and then she had to crawl out of her grave. And then she was lumbering towards the house. What if she hadn't come back wrong? How do we deal with that? You know? But of course, the themes in this episode, so many different themes in this episode, are little nuggets of some of stuff that's going to pay off in the next season. So I think they were all important. It was important for them all to be there. So I love that. I do love that. Um, so I do think this is an important episode. This is a good episode. I'm glad I finally fucking talked about it. Thank you guys. I will see you in a few days when we will talk about intervention. So um, on the actual anniversary, I'm going to be back to normal again. And then we're going to be going hot and heavy for like a month and a half because every single week, the last couple weeks of um, the last couple Saturdays in April, we'll be talking about episodes and then also the full month of May. I think we have an episode to talk about every single Saturday in May. Um, and then we're going to be done with season five. So 
This is our busy time of year. Let's go. I will see you in a few days. Bye.